0: Welcome everyone to another episode of the London Lyceum, the podcast that encourages deep and clear thinking. I am one of your hosts, Jordan Stefaniak.
1: And I'm your other host, Brandon Askew.
0: And we are very much looking forward to this episode to discuss Christian Platonism. So we got a comment from a Twitter follower that when I asked, you know, what are some topics that you'd be interested in us addressing? And this was one of them, particularly uh, Craig Carter's book, Interpreting Scripture and in the Great Tradition. Uh, he mentions the idea of Christian Platonism and drives it pretty heavily. So we wanted to address this and kind of talk through it a little bit. Um, before we do that, Brandon, why don't you give us some background into our, our experience with this book?
1: Yeah, so... um Actually, so me and—let's just—this will be a good time to talk about how me and Jordan met. So we met uh, through Twitter, and Jordan was moving to the area where I live. And uh, I think I made a I tweeted something about covenant theology, and he was like, hey, you know, I'll be moving there if you want to discuss covenant theology, let's do it. And um, Long story short, he moved to the area. I was out of the country. I came back. Uh, we met for coffee. And then I don't know how this book got brought up. But we were like, hey, let's, let's start—let's um, meet, and let's talk about a chapter a week on that book. So for months, we met— at 6 a.m. every Friday morning, and we talked about this book that we're going to get into in here in just a second. So that's this book is kind of how we got to know each other was yep. discussion, uh, discussing this book. So um, as he's already said, the name of it is Interpreting Scripture with the Great Tradition. Uh, subtitle is Recovering the Genius of Premodern Exegesis. This is from Craig Carter uh, Baker books. I think it came out maybe 2017. I don't know. It's, it's pretty new. Uh, but Craig Carter is a, a professor at Tyndale university college and seminary in Toronto. And, um, I think I first heard about this book through Richard Barcelos on Twitter was the first time I saw it mentioned. And it's kind of like made the rounds of, of, amongst, you know, the five Reformed Baptists that are on Twitter. Um, it's kind of a big thing in that little community, but, um, so I know a, a couple years ago it was, it was sort of a big thing uh, for Reformed Baptists, but Barcelos is where I heard from it. What about you?
0: I think that might actually be the same yeah. source.
1: So um, just a, before we get into the actual content of the book, like I said, it was published by Baker. Some of the um, endorsements on the back, Lewis Ayers, uh, Fred Sanders, Hans Bursma, and Annette Brownlee. So there you just have an idea of some of the people who endorsed the book, but Um, The the basic goal of this book, and then I'm going to let Jordan do most of the talking because he's written a review on this book and he's got a lot more to say about it than I do. But uh, the goal of this book is is Carter wants to push back against the way that the Academy has been training people to interpret the Bible. Um, So he wants to bring back uh, traditional exegetical, pre-modern, pre-enlightenment exegetical practices, um, and he wants to kind of push those to the forefront and, and poke holes in the way that the Academy has been um, teaching people to exegete scripture. So uh, he kind of does a little bit of, there's some historical theology in here. I mean, I, We'll get into that a little bit later, but, um, Jordan, do you want to talk about your initial thoughts on the book or do you want to just dive into some other specific issues?
0: And I mean, I want to kind of build on what you said. The, The goal of the book is, you know, he's basically, like he said, this modern interpretation is faulty and what needs to happen is the Academy needs to recover the way the church reads scripture. And that means he's saying the average local church reads the Bible way better than most people in academic circles do. Um, And he thinks that this reading of scripture is rooted in biblical exegesis, in Trinitarian dogma, and theological metaphysics, and it has a theological metaphysic that's centered in a reading culture that has grown from the history of the church. So I love the way he's going about this book. Honestly, I love the thesis. I I like a lot of it, especially uh, as I read it again before this episode. I really enjoy a lot of what he's doing, Um, but I want to press in on this metaphysic that he's talking about here
1: well before we so uh, or maybe you were going to go here but some people may say that they, they don't have a metaphysic that um you know that's just um something that i don't know only a certain segment of people deal with yeah, uh, you people know i don't have a metaphysic. Say,
0: get rid of my biases i'm going to get rid of all my f- metaphysic just
1: the text like just the text like it's a biblicism bare biblicism i guess would be the viewpoint um, that, that that I'm describing here, somebody who claims they don't have a metaphysic? How would you respond to somebody who says metaphysics have no place in interpreting scripture?
0: Yeah, well, I think Carter addresses this pretty well. Um, he basically says the person who does this simply just becomes unconscious of their own metaphysic and uncritical of it. Because everyone has it, whether you deny it or not, you have it. So what happens when you deny it is that no longer are you actually realizing what it is and you're not analyzing it. And so you're going to end up accepting a lot of anti-Christian metaphysical assumptions. Mm. So I think that's a really helpful way to put it. Uh, Carter Carter's spot on on that. Um, I think his thesis is spot on. You know, Theologians and pastors of this great tradition, um, they have this, uh, I guess, reading culture that's built up in the church. Uh, that has a set of doctrines that's very different than the Enlightenment, that has a mode of exegesis that is faith-seeking understanding by means of philosophical meditation on special revelation. All terrific stuff. Um, And before I get into my pushback a little bit, I want to give you kind of an understanding of the the book again. Um, It's kind of three sections. So he has this theological hermeneutics at the beginning. Uh, Then he has this recovering pre-modern exegesis at the end, and then he ends with kind of a test case of, let me show you an action. Um, And it's the theological hermeneutics that I want to press in on. I agree fundamentally with his conclusions, though I think some of the way he's presented things and this uh, Christian Platonism stuff, I I don't love nearly as much. So Brandon mentioned I wrote a review. Uh, So the first time I read this, I got all... um, hype about it and real angry. Uh, and so I wrote a review and I think the best reviews in some ways are the ones where you're angry because you write in a, in a better way. But at the same time I look back on it, man, I think, man, I wish I would have been more tender and and generous in, in, in other aspects, um, in that review. So you can find it in the Puritan reform journal, I don't remember what year I posted that, but I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, you can go grab a copy of that and find it. It's just like two pages. Uh, if you really want it and can't get access to the journal, just you know, direct message me on Twitter or email me or something. So let's talk about this theological metaphysics stuff. This is where I want to push back. I want to explain what he's saying. And then after I've explained to some degree what he's saying, I'm going to address problems.
1: Um, before we do that let's just define for 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 people will you define for for those who don't know what metaphysics means
0: Yeah metaphysics so metaphysics is simply the, the study of reality uh, in a way you know it's it's the study of physics in, in stepping back a little bit so it's more big picture um, understanding what reality actually is um, the way Carter defines particularly the theological metaphysics, is he says it's the account of the ontological nature of reality that emerges from the theological descriptions of God and the world found in the Bible. So this is simply just understanding the way reality is that emerges from the Bible. So he calls this particular theological metaphysic of the great tradition, Christian Platonism.
1: And you don't like that?
0: I don't I don't like that. Uh, I remember
1: you not liking that. I remember yeah. this being a thing. Like every week it was a thing. Like you didn't like the Christian Platonism thing. Yeah,
0: so. every week it's like nails on a chalkboard. It gets under my skin. Uh, really annoyed me. So I don't necessarily hate the idea. I, I think Platonism has a lot of useful things. And I think Christians have appropriated that in useful ways. But to define the entire tradition that's great, Christian Platonism, I got beef. Why is that? So let's, well, let's, let's just talk about what is Platonism. Um, Platonism, according to Carter, has a lot of different understandings. True. There's a lot of ways Plato's been kind of understood. Um, And he even thinks that Aristotle is a Platonist. He thinks Aristotle, 100% Platonist. I guess not 100%, but I don't remember what page it is.
1: Well, is that, is that the issue? Maybe we'll get to this, but is that is he using a much broader definition of Platonism than you are? Like maybe you're using it in the te- more technical term and he's, yes. he's wanting to, to use it as like an umbrella over um, a, a much larger group of, of philosophical positions where, and I think that's why you would, you would put Aristotle in a different, you would follow him in a different folder from, from Plato. But I think maybe he's, does that make sense? I think yep. he, I think he's just defining Platonism, in a, and may, and maybe that's part of your problem is you think he. It, it's not smart to, um, to use that word and then to, to put a much broader definition. Yeah,
0: words have meaning. Yeah, and when you change their meaning, it becomes really confusing for those who understand it in a different way. But we'll get to that. So okay. he, here's how he defines Platonism. He he goes by. Uh, I don't remember who came came up with this, but this this five tenets of Ur Platonism that. It said this is what unifies all aspects of Platonism together. So they are, number one, anti-materialism. So the idea that it's not, all of reality is not just material stuff. There's actually immaterial things. Number two, anti-mechanism. Simply the idea that there is a teleological aspect to the world. So it's not just as if everything is going on like a machine. There's no point. There's no really end goal. Number three, anti nominalism, a denial of universals, saying that there's only particulars. Go ahead.
1: Well, just to make sure people understand, because the way you word it, I think it might confuse some people. Anti nominalism, so nominalism is what you just defined. He's anti. Yes what Jordan just described. So he's saying that there are, there are. Yeah.
0: So there, you know, there's this universal, let's say the color red, and there's a bunch of different shades of red that participate in this uh, universal. And there's a lot of different ways to understand universals. That's a philosophical discussion, but all he's saying is he's against this idea that there's no such thing as a universal. Um, number four, anti-relativism. I I think that's pretty self-explanatory that there's actually objective truth out there is what he's affirming. And then fifth is anti-skepticism, so against the idea that we we can't know anything. So he Platonism says we can actually know stuff. Those are the five tenets of Platonism that he takes to be what is Christian Platonism. And I, I mean, I'll push back on it later. But like, who doesn't affirm that? I mean, there's people who deny pretty much everything about Platonism and affirm all
1: five of those things. Okay. So yeah. So. Maybe this will this will get to the root. I think of, of, of let's just define how he defines okay. Christian Platonism. Okay? So he says Christian Platonism is a synthesis of the best of rational Greek philosophy and biblical revelation, and is responsible for the flowering of Western Christendom. Now, some people don't even think Western Christendom is a good thing, so that's a <laughs> that's a different that's discussion. Fair. But but all right. So what is it about this? That you, that you take issue with?
0: I don't think I take any, like with just that definition, I have no problem. Okay. Except the beginning where it says Christian Platonism. <laughs> okay. okay. So it's not Christian Platonism that is a synthesis of the best of all these things. It's Christian philosophy. I mean, it, Greek philosophy is so multifaceted and multicultured to call Platonism equal to Greek philosophy is a major blunder. In my opinion, now you know we have Craig Card on the show, and I'm probably going to be much kinder and gracious. Let's but, hope so. But here I am, you know, just being honest and saying I, I don't think that's legitimate. Um, I don't think that's helpful. So he goes on and talking about Christian Platonism. There's this guy named Andre von Ivanka, and he says the phenomenon which characterizes the whole of the first millennium of Christian theological thought is the use of Platonism as the form for its philosophical expression and the framework of the world picture in terms of which the proclamation of revealed truths was made. In other words, Christian Platonism. Don't like that. Um, I don't think Platonism is the, the only form uh, that's being expressed. And secondly, he mentions it's only the first millennium in that. So you get into the medieval period, And uh, that's part of the great tradition. Clearly it's not part of it for, for, for Andre,
1: if if that's how you say his name. Well, I mean, well, when you get into the, to the medieval time, then that's when, if, if I understand my history of philosophy and stuff, which this could be wrong, but that's when nominalism takes root, right? Is And so that would, that would take it out of this anti nominalism, uh, umbrella that he's using to define what platonism is so then he's he's gonna he's gonna say that's a different thing so so i guess your pushback is you're still wanting to put that in the great tradition yeah but he's saying it doesn't belong in this er platonism which is kind of the um it's the root of of christian platonism so maybe that's part of the rub i don't know
0: yeah i mean and wh- where is craig getting this from i think he's getting a lot of it from hans borsma Um, which he's heavily into theology of participation, which is very platonic uh, and teleological understanding where there's an end goal. Um, I have no problem fundamentally with those types of doctrines where participation, meaning everything is sacramental in a way that everything points outside itself to something that's beyond itself, pointing itself to universal. I don't have problems with that, but universalizing that to the idea that Christian Platonism is the metaphysic? Well, yeah, Christian Platonism is a part of the metaphysic. But to, to claim that that's the whole thing of the great tradition is fundamentally flawed. So I think it, it's dubious to make that claim. Indeed, there have been a lot of giants in the tradition that are Platonic, but there's also that have been deeply Aristotelian, deeply Alchemist, deeply Scotist, um, deeply Thomist. I mean, he says Thomism is part of the Christian Platonism. I don't think so. Thomas does do platonic things, but in other ways, he's very much not that way. So I've got issues with that. Um, I think Platonism has some major problems with Christianity. It assumes the existence of matter and creation, For Plato, the mind is receptive and not creative. So a lot of people have identified uh, Plato's forms with God's ideas, but that's not a Platonic way to understand things. Uh, The epistemological method of Platonism is rational ascent and not sensible at all, which is in conflict with much of medieval philosophy and theology. So again, what what I'm really pushing back is just universalizing this claim. I don't necessarily have problems with Christian Platonism in itself. But in its right lane, I don't think you can make it the umbrella under which the great tradition stands and is united by. I mean
1: So if you could rename that umbrella, that something that would and maybe you don't have an answer to this because I just threw this on you without any warning, but something that would um be able to to handle what he wants to call Christian Platonism, but also more Aristotelian forms of philosophy and things like that. Like, is there a better, have you, do you have a, a different word or classical theism? Oh boy. Okay. Well, we'll get into that soon. Hopefully. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I don't
0: see why you don't just go with classical Christian philosophy or something like that. Uh, to bring in Platonism as your universal term, no, no pun intended. Uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't think is helpful. It's not sufficient to carry the weight of what, um, Christianity has believed about metaphysics uh, it's and and this ur platonism these five tenets that he has are far too broad to carry the weight uh, of our theological thinking so I've got problems with that and then I've got problems somewhat with his method of how he went about defining Platonism because he never fundamentally interacts with the actual platonic corpus in his description. And I, and I think that is a serious, serious issue. If he's going to make a, a significant claim as such as this, it's necessary to actually interact with the figurehead of the term he's using. So if there's no sources to actually Plato, how can you claim that this is a truly platonic uh, version uh, of metaphysics? So I, I've got a serious problem with that. You've got to actually engage primary sources, especially if you're doing academic work. I know this is kind of a hybrid uh, hybrid book, but I mean, seriously, you've got to actually interact with Plato himself. And I, and I get that he does do some good stuff with secondary sources. I mean, he engages w- with guys like Augustine, who is a good platonic interpreter in himself, but even H- Augustine, Honestly, he's more Neoplatonic than he is Platonic. So I have issues with that. And, and really, it seems like throughout the whole book, there is a trend where he's using only two or three secondary sources repetitively. Uh, and at times, it seems that he's almost preoccupied with these certain secondary sources to a point that it becomes uh, more like a book summary of, of these sources than actually original writing himself. So that myth- methodological issue. I think is a serious problem uh, for Carter. And along those lines, he he makes two other claims that I think are, are problems. And number one, he's, he promotes Aristotelianism over Cartesianism on the human person. He says the person is essentially embodied. And I find that incredible considering his promotion of Platonism, because this is completely opposite of what Platonism is. Uh, Platonism is going to say that you are not essentially embodied. Uh, You are just a soul. So I don't know how he can reconcile these two claims. And it seems that that type of claim to me tells me he doesn't really understand what Platonism is actually proposing. Uh, And he also says this, he says, quote, to oppose Christian Platonism, therefore, is to oppose philosophy itself and in so doing to set oneself in opposition to reason the moral law and natural science—that is a wildly overstated claim. I don't want to be, you know, disingenuous and not generous. I'm sure if we had Craig Carter on the show, I, I would probably um, hear his reasoning for this statement, and I and I'd be much more agreeable. But just reading it in the book, I, I find it incredible. I, I don't know how you can make this claim because Christian Platonism is not uh um, n- definitely not the the only wh- lens through understanding scripture uh throughout the christian tradition i think it's crazy to say that it, it's it's just not accurate so to say that if you don't agree with christian platonism you're opposing philosophy itself including reason the moral law and natural science it's just plain wrong uh because i i'm happy to oppose uh the various aspects of christian platonism and i don't think i am in opposition to any of those things
1: Alright, Well, while Jordan cools down a little bit, uh, <laughs> I do want to say something. That's pretty much. I don't want to actually um, pass out over here. He is fired up, but I'm not that um, fired up. No, I'm, I'm really joking. But um We want to interact with people. Well, Jordan wants to interact. This is more his, his area than mine. I'm not. Um, do you have a philosophy degree? Eh, yeah. Right. We'll talk about that later. Um, yeah. This this is something he's way more interested in than I am. I'm definitely more into the Baptist stuff. But but I, I do enjoy this. I mean, it's, it's fun stuff to talk about. All that to say. If you, if you want to interact on this, uh, if, you, if you want to come on the podcast and talk about it, yeah, if you, you want to disagree with me and argue with me on the podcast, yeah, I'll referee. Be, it'll be fun. <laughs> it'll be good stuff. We'll have our first formal date on the show. Uh, but seriously, um, send us a tweet or something and we would be happy to have you on. And you can give um, maybe where you agree, where you disagree, and we could keep this conversation going on Christian Platonism and this book. But um, I really did enjoy the book. It, it I, mean, totally, I do too.
0: So I don't want that to come across as I didn't like the book.
1: Yeah, I liked it. This book really did a lot for me on just how I, I look at Scripture. I heard say on the other day that he read something and it really scratched where he was itching, and that like that's what I felt about this book. Like it, the questions that I was asking myself about hermeneutics and things. This book, even if as perfect as it is, it, it addressed those questions and gave me a lot to do. on. so that, I'm thankful. Um, I doubt Greg Carter will ever come on the show to discuss it after that uh, rant.
0: That George- oh, well, we'll see about that. But I want to be honest. I really did enjoy Carter's book overall. But I think it matters that we have clear, transparent, and fair thinking. And I think Carter fails on the fair thinking. I don't think uh, his assessment of what Christian Platonism is, is fair to the great tradition. So promoting this metaphysical scheme as the catch-all, I think we're going to miss a lot of other metaphysical schemes that might be more fundamental or more biblical. And I don't think he gives them a fair hearing, a fair chance, or even a fair shake. So I've got an issue with that. Though it does remind me that I know that there's an article that he's written that's coming out in the Journal of Institute of Reformed Baptist Studies. It's supposed to be sometime this fall, so it might be out. I think it's supposed to come out. I'm really eager to see what he says in there. Uh, maybe I'll find his claims are better. Maybe I'll find that uh, he makes a uh, more nuanced argument. Maybe I find that he pulls back on on the terminology, though the fact that he's called the article Christian Platonism uh doesn't really give me hope that that's changed. So that said, uh, I am looking forward to reading it and I plan on responding to it if I still have this, uh, fiery disagreement, obviously. Uh, and I, and I'd love to have it published in that same, uh, journal, uh, article, I guess the journal, the journal, not the article, but I, I want to be in that same thing to respond to it. Cause I think that'd be really interesting and, and a healthy, good debate. I've always found that academic debates in journals or in books are going to be more robust, uh, more tempered, more honest, more clear and more fair. So I think that would be a good route to go even better than just podcasting about my issues, obviously. Um, but that said, uh, I still have a problem with the terminology of Christian Platonism because words mean things, and those, especially those who are unfamiliar with Platonism in general, are going to buy into something like this wholesale and they have no nuance. And I think that's problematic, and it could be potentially detrimental for different things that Plato actually believes and Platonism uh, pushes. So I think that's problematic. But again, I I still like Carter. I just have serious questions about this particular phrasing. So maybe you, listener out there, you're saying you've got thoughts, you've got disagreements, or maybe you've got questions, and I I really ask you to send them to us. Uh, The whole fact that we did this episode is based on a listener reaching out and saying, hey, do an episode on this. So that's the reason we do this. A lot of times we don't really do controversial stuff. This is probably one of our first controversial things that we've kind of really put out there it's because a listener said it, and I think it's an interesting topic, and I think it matters. Uh, so may- maybe you sit there and think I'm wrong, or I misrepresented uh, Carter. That's fine. Tell me. Uh, you know, I'm not inerrant. I- I'm not perfect. So maybe uh, I made a mistake, and I need to... Uh, correct that publicly. I mean, if I'm going to make public ca- claims like this, I better back them up. So if, if I'm shown that I'm wrong, I need to change my opinion. I'm not, a, I mean, and, and the reality is I'm not a Plato scholar. So maybe I'm getting Platonism wrong in some respect. Uh, that's possible. I don't think I am, uh, but it's possible. So if, if you think that's true, come and tell me. Um, but really, again, i I like Carter overall. I like a lot of what he's saying. I just have issues with Christian Platonism as the catch-all uh, metaphysical scheme for for Christianity. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's valid. And I think there's a lot of problems down the line if we go that way. Uh, you know, it may seem like an intramural debate. It may seem like academic up in the ivory tower, but I think ideas have consequences. And making this your foundational claim and convincing others that this is accurate, I think has serious consequences down the line. But that's all I'm going to say for now. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading this article and I'm looking forward to responding probably to that. And again, uh, for those who have been listening, we thank you for listening. You've been listening to the only analytic Baptist confessional podcast that's out there. Uh, We love uh, having your feedback on this. So again, if you do have questions, thoughts, disagreements, agreements, let us know. Uh, It really does uh, help us out. So thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully I was fair and and, and generous to Carter in my assessment. I know I'm fiery sometimes, so I want to pull back the gas a little bit. But um, again, thanks for listening. Uh, And I really do want to hear your thoughts on this.